a special bonus episode, courtesy of Andrea Adams from the podcast HR Shop Talk, featuring our very own Marcy Horanick. Welcome to Exclusion, a podcast that explores all things equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. Exclusion is brought to you by Canadian Equality Consulting and Biarg Consulting. Hello everyone, Alicia here. Marcy and I are taking a short hiatus at the beginning of summer to spend some much-needed quality time with our extended families, but we wanted to offer you this bonus episode courtesy of Andrea Adams from the podcast HR Shop Talk, as she recently had an opportunity to interview our very own co-host, Marcy. So without further ado, here's their discussion. Hi there, welcome to HR Shop Talk. I'm your host, Andrea Adams. This show delves into the details of HR through conversations with experienced and sometimes HR people. You can also find me on YouTube where you can interact with me and other people like yourself. Today's guest is Marcy Haronic. Marcy is the president of Canadian Equality Consulting, and I met her during some training that I did and she led a while back. She's certainly a leader in the field. She's won awards for her work on gender and presented to and worked with the UN on human rights. And I'm really glad to have her. Hi, Marcy. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you doing? I am good. I'm good. And I'm looking forward to this might have been like the number one thing on my list for a while. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Yeah. So to get us going, uh, can you summarize what EDI is, EDI being equity, diversity, and inclusion, and why organizations should invest in it? Mm-hmm. It's a great question to get us started. And we often hear about the acronym EDI. Uh, Sometimes folks use DEI, often just depending on where you are in the world and what sector you work in. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, but as you mentioned, EDI is equity, diversity, and inclusion. And there are three distinct and uh, very important concepts towards advancing equality. Um, So the E, equity, uh, really recognizes that people are different, uh, are diverse, and have unique needs, and that it's so important to tailor our work and our approaches to meet their needs to help everyone be successful. Uh, We often like to think that if we treat people exactly the same, we're being fair. Mm -hmm. Um, But equity is really recognizing the diverse needs and different needs that people have and tailoring your approaches to help them in order to to be fair. The D is diversity. And diversity often includes kind of two aspects, diversity of thought and diversity of identity. Um, and, uh, and diversity of identity is usually what we focus on in EDI work um, because different backgrounds and demographics uh, have different perspectives and, and experiences in life. And that will bring you that diversity of thought. Um, and diversity is really all encompassing. It's very broad. It can include um, the four traditional employment equity groups, but also goes much, much beyond that. And then I, lastly, is inclusion. 
and inclusion is really about creating a culture and a sense of belonging and value at an organization. So often we talk about diversity as being a seat at the table. Uh, equity is sort of the decision-making rules and policies and procedures at that organization. And then inclusion is the culture or the norm that everyone belongs, is valued uh, and respected. Mm-hmm. And why should organizations invest in it? Uh, there's typically uh, three main uh, arguments um, that can be made for this. Um, one is that EDI is a business imperative. Uh, we often hear about the business case of mm-hmm. EDI, um, which is has been well-documented and well-studied about investing in EDI results in increased profitability, engagement, creativity, empathy, um, lower turnover, And uh, so essentially it makes really good business sense to invest and embed EDI in your work. And then there's also the moral or ethical case that it's simply the right thing to do and that it's in humanity's best interest to fix inequality and to help others with less advantages and less privileges than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then there's always a personal case as well. So inequality in EDI work is extremely personal to people and everyone is negatively impacted by inequality. Um, no one benefits from it. So everyone um, that does some EDI learning and work and some critical self-reflection um, will be able to uncover their own personal case um, for advancing this work. Um, so single or straight white men. So we often think, yeah. So we often think that they're the they're the winners in in unequal systems, right? Because they're the most sort of dominant identity groups yeah. with the most power. Yes. Uh, kind of everywhere in the world, right? Yeah. Right now, but uh, but when we focus on, um, but we always encourage an EDI to um, to look at the situation and, and the complexity of it, um, and how often these characteristics that are you know traditionally masculine are more valued um, and are given more power and rights in our society, which is a hundred percent true. Um, but then uh, we also know that men um, have to fit within that hyper-masculinized than characteristics. Yes. Um, so, it, and then their mental health suffers and, um, and violence rates increase and um, heterosexual white men that experience more benefits than others. Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, no one wins. So you've just made the case for EDI and I would dare say that it hasn't changed a lot. Maybe it's changing now. I don't know, but I would dare say it hasn't changed a lot in the last 20 years. So so why is this still the case? Why are we still struggling with this? We've known for a long time it's the right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. And it's so important to keep having this conversation and and often and we've we've known it's the right thing to do, but the reason that companies are investing in it has has shifted over time. When I first started this work, uh the reason why companies were investing in it and explaining their investments to others in it was solely around the business case. Now it's shifted within the last couple of years, definitely within the last year and a half to that ethical case and that, you know what, this is just the right thing to do. And, uh, and more of that personal case is also emerging, um, which is really interesting. But, but basically, like, like you mentioned, it hasn't really, there hasn't been big shifts in the last 20 years either. So what we have been doing hasn't been working. And while there has been some progress made in addressing explicit discrimination, Mm-hmm. Um, many inequalities remain persistent and pervasive across the country and across all indicators of success. And 
EDI used to be focused solely on, it seemed to be focused predominantly on diversity and on numbers mm-hmm. of, uh, of folks and, and quotas, that sort of thing. Um, but now we're, we're shifting and, and there's more openness um, to actually talk about the root causes. Does this include men? I mean, of course it includes men, but they're, they've been advantaged, advantaged predominantly. So, so how do you get men involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question. It definitely has to include men. I, I feel like everyone has a place at this table and, and has a role um, in addressing this, this issue and this problem. Um, and it can't be up to one specific demographic to, to solve it on their own, for sure. Mm-hmm. Having them really step into the role as allies mm-hmm. uh, is really important to, and to bring them in um, as early as possible. And so what does the, the evidence show actually works in increasing and improving EDI? Often companies don't know where to start. Um, so we see them begin with like a general unconscious bias training. That's kind of the big popular one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it doesn't do anything mm-hmm. or they aren't able to effectively track how it's how it's changed or the impact that it's had. Um, and there's been studies that have shown that an unconscious bias training on its own can actually create bias awareness in, in attendees, but only up until about a month. And then you revert to the way you were before. So it's much more effective um, to do kind of a baseline assessment of your organization first mm-hmm. and determine where your gaps are, um, where your where your needs are, and then tailor whatever strategy to meet those needs. And then always obviously create KPIs and monitor and evaluate and recognize that it's a journey. So there's no quick fixes, um, but evidence-based initiatives that are tailored to your organization and your work with those accountabilities and that broader organizational commitment uh, will help you make progress. And we often use this sort of three-part framework. We call it normalize, organize, and operationalize. Um, So in order for your strategies or your initiatives to be successful, you have to start normalizing these topics and these conversations and these concepts with folks. Um, Also talk about um, the organizational expectations around them and commitment to it. Um, and then organize. So start with some learning um, that's tailored to your needs. Try to embed this in your values and your strategy and frameworks. And then you can start operationalizing it uh, in introducing things like equity tools, as an example. And then at every stage, um, it's so important that this is, it's can't be, it's important to have leadership buy-in and demonstrated commitment for sure. Um, but along the way, it has to involve kind of co-creation with those employees that will be most impacted or that are most marginalized and to center their lived experiences um, in every step. Because the, the principle of nothing about you without you is really crucial to all ADI work. When you have seen HR departments, or maybe it's not HR, but someone in an organization who are effectively tackling EDI, what were they doing? Yeah, I was trying to think about that question, and I think HR plays a really important role in EDI work. When I think of some examples of HR leaders and and HR departments that are really doing a fantastic job, um, is that they're really there to sort of support the initiatives and uh, provide some accountability and some framing for it, um, but that then they sort of step back and make sure that the organization and all employees know that this is their responsibility to do as well. So it doesn't become siloed. So 
I often say like it needs to begin with that sort of CEO and executive leaders championing and demonstrating a clear commitment to it and to set that tone. And then that accountability needs to be built around it. And then it definitely for HR to HR houses a lot of the really important um, data on employees that is crucial for any EDI work. And HR like leads that data collection, um, can lead diversity censuses and assessments and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I, what I've seen work really well is HR recruit and facilitate and create uh, EDI committees um, with really diverse lived experiences and backgrounds of folks and ensure that there's representation from all areas of the organization and then co-create with those people this sort of EDI strategy and action plan with senior leaders too, but that HR is really there to help frame and support that committee and uh, and elevate the conversation when needed to senior leadership. So what are some of the most common barriers you encounter to EDI in the workplace and, and how do you re- recommend they get addressed? Yeah, so there's a lot of common barriers and, and, and challenges. I was trying to think of a succinct way to explain them. <laughs> um, one, your best. Yeah. one is sort of, I think, and I think I've kind of threaded it in in other questions too, is around sort of introducing EDI or trying to advance EDI, but not having, a, well, having a lack of accountability around it. Mm-hmm. So some organizations introduce and lead it, um, but they don't create KPIs around it. They don't monitor and evaluate it. And there isn't a clear timeline or lead to who, who's going to do what. Another kind of challenge is, is a little, this one's a little more vague, but kind of an openness and willingness to change. Um, so, so many organizations can feel threatened or so many people within organizations, some folks can feel threatened by EDI work, um, whether it's, the, the fear of change, whether it's sort of, this is the way we've always just done things here. Um, or if it's a fear of, or, or thinking that they, they may not have a place in this. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're part of a dominant group, um, mm-hmm. they often feel, they can feel excluded or, or left out. But, um, but that's something that is really common. We see a lot of, and, the willingness to change, the fear about change, uh, with the, this is the way we've always done thing here, done these th- done things here. To mitigate that one, I'd recommend is just that initial sort of leadership buy-in, demonstrated commitment, clear communications around that this is this is what we're going to do and we're committed to this can help. But then on the other hand, um, the the fear of being left behind um, or threatened in some way by this work. Mm-hmm is really important to apply sort of change management principles to this work as well. Um, And keeping things really transparent and really clear and how this um, and how everyone will benefit from this, how everyone will be involved and can participate in this journey as well. Um, And then also I think another key barrier, which is really common is a lot of organizations don't take intersectional approaches. So what I mean by that is they often like to start by focusing on only one group um, and prioritizing that and aligning all their initiatives with that. And uh, 
because it's overwhelming to tap often to tackle more than one at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but what we always try to encourage folks to do and help equip them to do is to take this intersectional approach because no one group is a monolith. If, if an organization wants to lead with, um, with women or focusing just on women, as an example, mm-hmm. um, you're not fully able to then understand the complexity of the challenges that women face. Um, because women aren't a monolith. Women of color will have a very different experience than LGBTQ women or indigenous women in your organization. So really like digging deeper and layering those identities to fully understand. Um, and, and sometimes this can be overwhelming, but sometimes it can be um, empowering also and, and like an exciting opportunity that you can do more than one at a time. In terms of a structure for success, like what have you seen that works? We often talk about to be really successful, there's kind of five key ingredients of success and you don't have to have all of them. No organization usually has them right at the start. Um, but as you start and go down this journey, um, you can build different aspects of them and you can focus certain initiatives on certain pieces and, and help um, help advance that way. But And the first one is that leadership commitment and buy-in. Um, so often, for instance, when we do assessments, we start with a leadership alignment session and, and sort of teach them first and, uh, and have them really understand this at a deeper level, um, and then demonstrate that for the rest of the organization. And then another key aspect is, uh, that organizational culture sort of writ large. So trying to communicate that this is everyone's responsibility And then the third key ingredient is community co-creation and collaboration. Um, So again, just involve those that would be impacted the most, let them have a say in it. Um, This could be if you have ERGs or employee resource groups, uh, make sure you consult with them, um, bring them in to, to get their feedback. And then the fourth one is about technical capacity. Um, so ensuring that the folks that you have leading this work internally um, have the support uh, and the skills and training and everything that they need and uh, to help set them up for success. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is around ownership and accountability. So just making sure that there's clear timelines, um, there's ongoing evaluation, and then also reporting. So final question here. So there's a ton of information out there on EDI. And I mean, especially in the last few years, it seems like it's exploded. Uh, If someone wants good information, uh, do you have a recommendation as to where they should go for that? Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah, it's really exciting to see over the last year and a half, how this EDI conversations have been really infiltrating like mainstream dialogue and kitchen table conversations. Um, So there's a ton of resources on social media. Um, You know, take with them what you will take a little grain of salt with them, look at a variety of different sources to try to balance it out if you can um, to, to get a deeper understanding. But a couple places you could go are on our website. We have a really healthy blog. Um, where we try to write about um, really topical current events. And we um, also include equity tools in there and different infographics um, to help you learn and and share as well. We also have a a podcast. We'll have to have you on our podcast. Uh Um, And uh, it's called Exclusion. Uh, and And I will put a link to that. 
Yeah, um, awesome. Notes of this, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then otherwise, I'd say I'm available. So contact me anytime. I'd love yeah. to answer your questions, and I'll follow and look at the comments um, yeah, okay. on the video too, and can yeah. type in different things and. Um, and if there's specific topics anyone's interested in, I'm happy to, uh, yeah, to give more tailored resources as well. Awesome. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for that. Well, thanks, Marcy. Wow. I am so glad we were able to have this conversation. I learned a lot from it and it filled in some gaps. Um, we've reached the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time when I talk shop with another insightful guest. Thanks for listening, everyone. I too will add a few links to our resource section. Marcy and I are working on some potential guests in the future, so stay tuned. And until then, stay safe. And we hope that you too have a chance to spend some time with your loved ones through the summer. Bye.